0: Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. And
1: this is from 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verses 1 to 13. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel Fill your horn with oil and be on your way I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem I have chosen one of his sons to be king But Samuel said how can I go if Saul hears about it he will kill me The Lord said take a heifer with you and say I have come to sacrifice to the Lord invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do you are to anoint for me the one I indicate samuel did what the lord said when he arrived at bethlehem the town so the elders of the town trembled when they met him they asked do you come in peace samuel replied yes in peace i have come to sacrifice to the lord consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Aliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at, people look at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him this is the one so samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers and from that day on the spirit of the lord came powerfully upon david samuel then went to rama I'm going to hand over to murray now
0: thank you Sue appreciate it. There's some very uh, tricky Hebrew names that you just absolutely smashed. Love it. It's all about the Hebrew names in this passage, the seven sons of Jesse. Well, guys, I um, have to tell you in advance, this sermon is actually um, part of a little assessment for me, uh, for my preaching class at Mauling. So if you just want to spontaneously yell out an amen or a hallelujah at some point, you know, I'd greatly appreciate that for the marks. Uh, yeah, that's where you go, that's where you go, um, but yeah, look, I, I come to you today to tell you I, I am actually a pretty frugal guy, as you can see, I'm, I'm wearing pants from Target, I think my shirt's from Target, in fact, I think this whole outfit might be from Target, um, I, you know, get my milk from Audi, yeah, just save it for later, um, You know, I get my milk from Audi. I, you know, drive a two-door Toyota Echo that was made a few years after I was born. I don't throw away socks until both of my socks have toes in the holes. Much to the dismay of my poor wife, I'm a pretty frugal guy, except when it comes to skincare. When it comes to skincare, I can get pretty bougie. How bougie, you ask? I can get multiple moisturisers. How bougie, you're asking? I'm talking about brand, top-level shelf, body wash. I'm talking about a special trip to Woolworths. I'm talking about face oil. Face oil. You have not lived until you have rubbed face oil into your face that costs more a bottle than to fill up your Toyota Ereco. You have not lived until you have rubbed face oil into your face and the sun hits your face and you get the sweet smell of juniper berries and jasmine petal and ylang-ylang. I don't even know what ylang-ylang is. I think I'm saying it wrong, but I can be sure of one thing, which is you have not lived until a middle-aged woman who's lived in the hills has told you your skin is glowing. (laughs) Face oil. It's extravagant it's rejuvenating, it's life-giving. And funnily enough, face oil is in a different way something that's mentioned in the Bible. It's just as extravagant and just as rich and just as rejuvenating and life-giving. It's maybe a little bit more holy than my face oil. But it's actually so important that there's a recipe for it in the Bible, all the way back in the book of Exodus. And this oil isn't specifically your full face but actually for your forehead. It's anointing oil. In Exodus 30 the Lord says to Moses take the following fine spices all which these spices have these floral warm sort of smoky and spicy aromas. So 500 shekels which is about six kilos of liquid myrrh a gum resin from bushes which has a real piney smell. About half as much, three kilos of fragrant cinnamon. Again, roughly three kilos of fragrant calamus, a wetland reed. Six kilos of cassia, which is a type of dried bark, all according to the sanctuary shekel. And a hin, which is about four litres, of olive oil. Make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. It will be the sacred anointing oil. Then use it to anoint the tent of the meeting, the ark of covenant law, the table and all its articles, the lampstand and its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and the basin with its stand. You shall consecrate them so they'll be most holy and whatever touches them will be holy. And then anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. Say to the Israelites, this is to be my sacred anointing oil for the generations to come. Do not pour it on anyone else's body and do not make any other oil using the same formula. It is sacred, and you are to consider it sacred. Whoever makes perfume like it and puts it on anyone other than a priest must be cut off from their people. So now that we know what anointing oil is and maybe have a bit more of a deeper understand of this understanding of a rich fragrant, aromatic oil that is used for very special spiritual ceremonies. Let's watch this video and see how the theme of anointing traces throughout the Bible.
2: There's a ritual in the Bible involving fragrant plants and spices that make a rich oil to pour on special objects or people. This is called anointing oil. And its meaning is rooted in the story of the Garden of Eden, where God provided water for the dry land and formed the human, filling him with his spirit. This is the first anointing. The oil is a liquid symbol. It's the water of life and God's spirit combined together, used to mark a person or a place as a bridge between heaven and earth. During his wilderness exile, Jacob had a dream. He sees a stairway leading up to heaven. When he wakes, he anoints the stone on which he slept and called the place House of God, a place where heaven and earth are one. The Israelites built the tabernacle in the wilderness. When it was completed, they anointed the tent with oil, marking it as a place where God's heavenly presence has come down to earth. Israel's priests and their kings were anointed with oil to set them apart as leaders, to mediate God's heavenly wisdom to the world. But they rejected God's wisdom. They led with violence leading to ruin and exile. Their failure created hope for the ultimate anointed one. One anointed not merely with oil, but with water and spirit, not merely a bridge to heaven, but heaven itself come to earth. This is Jesus Christ. More than a name, Christ is a title. It means anointed one, the new human, the ultimate priest, the cosmic king, God's heavenly life coming into our world in a new way a surprising way. And after Jesus rose from the dead, he spread his anointing out into the world through his followers. Christians from the word Christ, anointed ones who follow the anointed one. People marked by God's Spirit so that more and more of earth can be filled with the life of heaven.
0: So anointing is a pretty foreign concept for us. Marking people and places as a bridge between heaven and earth. And this is the same oil that David is anointed with in this passage that we read this morning. This is a sacred ceremony. This is marking David out as a unique person who's set apart, who's consecrated. He becomes a messiah. Literally, that's, that's what the Hebrew word Messiah means, anointed one or Christos in Greek. It turns out Christ isn't Jesus' last name. It's a title, Jesus, the anointed one. And then we as Christians are followers of Christ, but sort of inextricably wound into that title is anointed ones. So I feel like this should be an important thing to at least understand what that means. I think that's going to have value to how we then step out and live our lives as Anointed ones in some way. I love what the video from Bible Project said. Set apart, not just as a bridge between heaven and earth, but when Jesus has his anointing, it's heaven come down to earth. And David is being anointed as this proto-Christ, a proto-Messiah, proto-Jesus, a king who's filled with the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean for us? See, It's really interesting because David's, it says quite clearly throughout the book of 1 Samuel, he's not chosen for his height like Saul, but he's chosen for his heart for the Lord. I think this is something that we really need to not just know but believe. That it's a lie of the enemy if you disqualify yourself or discredit yourself. For what God can do with you because of your height or your weight or your age or your gender or any other superficial appearance. Because God cares so clearly about the heart, which is a countercultural message in a world of plastic Kardashians and roided up Marvel heroes, that God doesn't care about the outward appearance. God cares about your heart. And he says it so clearly to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16:7. Do not consider. His appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It's a countercultural message, I think, for the world that we live in. And we see it echoed in the life of Jesus that Jesus comes down as a humble carpenter, just like David, born in the town of Bethlehem. And The Gospel of John says though he was in the world and the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. The prophet Isaiah says there was no beauty, outward beauty or majesty so as to attract us to him. Jesus didn't come as somebody to attract people with physical beauty or an outward appearance, but because of his heart. And if God chose to come down to earth with no noticeable beauty, or outward majesty, doesn't that make it pretty clear that it's obviously not a big deal for us? That obviously he doesn't care about that stuff, that he cares about our heart, about our love for the Lord and our love for others. That's how God's going to define us. That's how God's going to use us. But in all of this, I think it's also important to note that apparently David was a handsome little dude. So what does that mean? If we're going to kind of carry those two things in tension, because it says quite clearly in 1 Samuel 16, 12, so Jesse sent for David and had him brought in. He was glowing with health. He had a fine appearance and handsome features. Some translations say his eyes were beautiful. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. I think it's important to have attention, to understand that God looks at the heart. But also, God celebrates beauty. I think this tension is so important because we as human beings are so guilty of when culture, like a pendulum, swings one way, we want to be reactive instead of responsive and swing all the way the other way and condemn beauty. And judge it and create these negative connotations and stereotypes around people who are naturally attractive, who are naturally tall, who are naturally these things that the Lord doesn't care about as much as our heart. It's really, really important for us to understand this because we need to be making sure that when we respond to culture... It's responding with the light of Jesus and not just reacting and going full the other way because that is still missing God's mark. That is still missing God's vision. And beauty is so clearly important, even in the amount of effort that Lord puts into this anointing oil in the middle of the wilderness. Kilos and kilos of precious aromatic spices infused into this oil to mark out these places as Edenic places and people. Beauty is important. And I just think it's really important to note that, that in all of this, when we say that God cares about the heart, that he still celebrates beauty. Because God didn't disqualify David because of his outward beauty, and he definitely used Esther because of her beauty powerfully. So I just want to challenge us with maybe some of those biases that we might have. There might be some of us who disqualify and discredit people who don't fit up to some standard of beauty or handsomeness. But there might be other people in the room who might judge those who are just naturally beautiful, naturally handsome as shallow or less godly or maybe unintelligent. I think there's a lot more of us today who might be guilty of that second than we think. But ultimately, whether you are plain or beautiful, God cares about the heart. Let's not disqualify people on either side of that spectrum. So, I think that we're probably still asking, why is anointing actually important for us to fully understand? Like, I understand that, yes, we are Christians. We are anointed ones, followers of the anointed one, Jesus. But... Jesus doesn't really get anointed in the same way. He sort of has this perfume anointing ceremony before his burial, but at the start of his ministry, he doesn't, in the same way as David, have oil smeared across his head. So why is he called the anointed one? Well, it's because Jesus' baptism is his anointing. And in that way, as David is a proto-Christ, we see that Samuel is playing the role of a John the Baptist as he anoints David. In 1 Samuel 16.5, we see that Samuel brings David's father and brothers and consecrates them. He ceremonially washes them before David's anointing. He's preparing a way. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And then in 1 Samuel 16, 13, once again, once David, this proto-Messiah, arrives, he is anointed with this rich, fragrant oil. And what happens? The Holy Spirit falls on him. Just as the Spirit alights on Christ as he is baptised in the wilderness. And if we go to the next slide, we can see that there's actually quite a few parallels between David's anointing and Jesus' baptism. We see this priestly figure who performs the ceremony. We see that others are either baptised or consecrated first. We see that this person, whether it's David or Jesus in the New Testament, is clearly identified in Samuel, to Samuel, in the Gospels, it's the voice from heaven of the Father saying, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. They are both marked by liquid. The Spirit comes on them and they begin their reign as kings. For David, as the king of Israel, as an earthly king, but for Jesus as the king of heaven and earth. The Spirit rushes on David and it lights on Jesus. And this is what the prophet Isaiah writes about 200 years after King David's reign. He's writing about someone after King David has lived, reigned and died. He says, "...a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, David's father, and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord." See, Isaiah is prophesying that this Holy Spirit will fall on Jesus, that it will give him this authority that he then makes available to us. And that's really where I want to land the plane, because there's a really important difference between David's anointing as king and Jesus' baptism, because David is set apart as a sole king. But when Jesus was baptised... Holy Spirit fell on him. And then what does he end up saying at the end of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he's saying, I'm now giving this authority over to you to share in, to inherit. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of age. Do we believe as Baptists truly that we are a priesthood of believers? That is one of our core pillars that is supposed to define us, that we are a priesthood of believers, that there is no magic fairy dust on Mitch or me or Lou or Brian, that we are all through our belief in Jesus Christ, empowered with the same Holy Spirit. This is the good news of this anointing that through baptism has now flowed out to all of us through believing in Jesus, that all who call on the name of Jesus and believe in him as a saviour are filled with this same Spirit. Do we all believe this morning that when the Spirit fell at Pentecost, it wasn't just something for the first generation of the church, but something... That we are now called into with authority today to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to raise people from the dead. This is the authority that Jesus is giving us through the Holy Spirit this morning. We need to remember that this is the anointing that we have stepped into. Not an anointing that is limited to just a single king or a single priest, but an anointing that now pours out through Jesus to all people. I'm mean, I call up the band. I'm going to call up some of our many priests at the centre that I've organised in advance. And I want us to really embody this belief this morning that we are all anointed ones, all those who declare that Jesus is our Lord and Saviour, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit and that we are all welcomed into that new anointing of the Holy Spirit. What I want to do, is we're going to get some people to start anointing. But once you've been anointed, just a tiny, tiny dip. Oil goes a far away. Tiny, tiny dip of oil. I've got a thousand napkins there. And just a mark of the cross on our heads to remind us of why we are able to inherit this anointing through the crucifixion of Christ, through the sacrifice that he made on that cross, where the veil of the temple was torn open and the Holy Spirit was made available for all. And once you were anointed recognizing that you are part of that priesthood of believers and I'm going to ask you to anoint the next person and then that person to anoint the next person, that person to anoint the next person. And myself and Mitch and Lou aren't going to be anointed until everyone else is and the last three people to be anointed are going to anoint us because there is no fairy dust on us. There is nothing special about us other than the fact that we are all part of a priesthood of believers. We have all inherited that Holy Spirit for those of us who believe. And there may be some of you this morning who are saying, Hey, Muzz, I haven't declared that Jesus is my Lord and Saviour. Maybe this morning is a good time to start that journey. Maybe this morning you want to step up for the first time with the rest of us and declare, yes, I want to step into that anointing. I want to receive the forgiveness, the eternal life, the power of the Spirit that Jesus offers to all who call on him as their king. So I'm going to invite us up. We're all going to get anointed as a symbol. There's nothing magic on me. There's nothing magic in the oil. I'm sorry to tell you it's olive oil I bought from Aldi. But it's a symbol, a reminder that as followers of Christ, we are anointed ones. And that anointing empowers us with the Holy Spirit. Let us do that now. Please feel free to come up and receive that anointing that as Christians we receive.